We got to come down off that mountain sometime. But I tell you what, being on that, in the presence of God never changes, never stops, never stops. He said he will never leave nor forsake us. And we got to trust in him, trust in him that what he says he shall do. And today, oh, man. I know that God is good. God is good. Just me? Only I think God is good? Woo! Come on. We got to get excited. Can you turn me down a little bit, please? I'm scaring myself. <laughs> anyway, today's, uh, I'm going to be talking about encountering the glory of God. You know, sometimes, I know I've asked myself in the past, have I encountered the glory of God? Okay? And uh, I didn't answer myself because I didn't have an answer. That was years ago. But I think today I can answer that. Um, because I, I found that we have that opportunity. We have that opportunity to encounter the glory of God. Stalling a little bit because I'm still uh, heated. Still uh, on fire here and I can never stop. But uh, if we look in, um, if we look in uh, for an example of the glory of God, we can go to Exodus 13. And in verse, uh, in verse 20, it says here that, and they took their journey, I'm not going to go through all that, in the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, lead the way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Okay, so, so here, God's presence on earth was a cloud by day and fire by night. This is known as the Shekinah glory. It's not biblical. It's not a biblical word, but it's a word nonetheless. Okay, that is the manifestation of God's presence on earth. Okay, there are many different forms. Um, one of the forms could be when Samson had extraordinary strength. Okay, God came in many different forms, and it was always outward. Okay, it, it was always an outward manifestation of God's presence. You know, sometimes. Sometimes we say, you know, I wish I could see God. You know, I wish I could see God, you know. And uh, when you study the word, you realize you see him every day. We just don't realize it, but we see it every day. There was one man in the Bible. Uh, his name was Moses. And he told God, I want to see you. 
you know, and uh, God will always speak to Moses, and he was always in a form of a cloud, you know, but, but Moses was persistent, you know, and he said, uh, man, I want to see you, God. I've been talking to you all this time. I want a face-to-face relationship with you. You see, as believers in Christ and in, in God our Father, we should be seeking that. We should be seeking a face-to-face relationship, okay? Because with that, you got to realize that that glory of God, though in the past was not obtainable, but today it is. Today it is obtainable. A while back, remember I said, we experience what we have faith in. We experience in what we believe in. Okay? Because Jesus said, whatsoever ye say unto the mountain. He also said, when you pray, pray believing that you have already received it. You see, so that is an opportunity for us to receive things in the now, not in the future. And so Moses had this desire to see God, okay? And he wanted to speak to him face to face. So if we go to Exodus 33, we find that God was going to allow him now to see him because If we see him, if Moses would have looked at him, Moses would have died, okay? Because the presence of God, our minds cannot comprehend. Our visions, our eyes cannot comprehend that glory of the almighty God. And so God made a plan, and and as we go to uh, 33.10, it says here that... uh, And all the people saw the cloud pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his intent door. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. And he turned away into the camp. And but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest to me, bring up this people, and thou shalt not let me let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Okay? So, so here it is, right here it says that Moses, in verse 11, he says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face. So there's an opportunity that was shown us in the Old Testament for what we can experience now. Okay? But that experience didn't come without a price, okay? That experience of of a a face-to-face relationship with God uh, uh, wasn't, you know, there's a song we sing that that God's love is extravagant. You know, his love is extravagant. You know, he he gives us everything. He gives us everything. And so so the desire of men after God and that relationship, a face-to-face relationship, was something that God desired all along. In the Garden of Eden, it was happening. He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Okay? He walked with them. He talked with them. 
So that was a desire that God gave us in our hearts long, long before we were born, long before we were thought of. But God's love is so extravagant that he gave something that was dear to him. And if we have that opportunity to have a face-to-face encounter with God, Jesus was the ultimate form of God appearing to man. You see, God desired so much for that face-to-face relationship with us that he gave his only son. He gave something extravagant. You know, it's just like buying your wife. I don't know, every wife is different. Every wife is different, but buying her something that that she so dearly wanted, never minding of cost, without thinking the monetary value of what she wanted, and we just give it to her. And that's what God did for us. He didn't care the cost. It wasn't about the cost. It was about the relationship. And he wanted that face-to-face relationship. And so he gave Christ. And if we turn to Colossians 2.9, we'll find out what I was talking about. Let me find I got my, uh, I told Alex I bought a new tablet. It's called Pen Gear. Just came on the market recently. Uh, but if we turn to Colossians 2.9, uh, I'll get serious one of these days. Colossians 2.9, it says here, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything, everything, thing, every aspect of God was in Christ Jesus. There was no lack. There was no want. Everything, everything was in Christ Jesus, okay? The very essence of the deity, oh, sorry, my tablet came apart. Thank you, Melissa. My tablet came apart. It happens every once in a while, just like the apple. The apple has worms, so... All right. So, so the essence of the uh, the deity is, is is was the presence in Jesus, okay, and 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 how I know that, or how we will know that, is we're gonna turn to John, fourteen, John fourteen nine, and in here Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, yet hast thou known me, Philip? Have thou known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is saying, you want to see the Father? Here it is, right here. This is the Father. This is, I am God. I am. I am God. And when Jesus, so this ultimate price that Jesus paid, he's saying, he, you saw evidence in the word where he's saying that I am God. I am the Shekinah glory on earth to represent the Almighty. Because you, 
Me, you can see. It's Jesus, not me, Jesus. See, they could see Jesus. You see, so God, again, wanted this face-to-face relationship with us, and he needed, he needed a way to accomplish it without us dying. Because he knew that if we did actually see him, we'd be down and out. Strike three. Didn't even reach home plate, man. You'd be laying flat. Six feet under. But even at that, Jesus would call, Pastor Alex, come forth. And Alex would come out of the grave because that's how powerful our God is. Okay? And then so, this ultimate price that was paid, this extravagant God that we serve, allowed his son to be nailed upon the cross. And when Christ was nailed upon the cross, that price was paid. That price of separation. You know, Jesus was in the, in the garden praying, and he said, Father, if it can be, let this let this pass. And for many years, I thought Jesus was scared. Many years I thought Jesus was praying because he didn't want to die. But then as I became mature and I started studying the word, I found that I wasn't even close. What he was praying about wasn't about his death. It was, was about his separation from the Father. That's what he didn't want. He said, if, it, if we can accomplish this great work that is before me without me separating from you, but nonetheless, Father, your will. And so he was willing. He even told uh, uh, the guy that was driving the car, Pilate, he said, uh, he said uh, you ain't taking my life. I'm giving it to you. Nobody takes my life. I give it. You see, boldness. Because why? Because he had a face-to-face relationship with God, with our God. So today, that's what I want to talk about, is our face-to-face relationship with God. Because when we realize that we have that opportunity to have that face-to-face relationship, we can be bold and say, no, you're not taking nothing from me. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you control. I'm submitting myself to you. Because I know as I submit, I gain. You see, it's not a loss. One thing I found out about God's ways is never our ways. It's never the world's ways. To be greatest in the world, you got to be the greatest. But to be greatest in the kingdom, you got to be the least. You want to be the greatest servant? Be the greatest servant. Be the greatest servant. You see, God's way of of doing things is, is totally opposite than the world. And that's why he gave the most precious person he knew that now we can come back. And when he was on that cross, something happened. Something happened when he was on that cross. You know, 
There was a place called the Holies of Holies. Where in the Holies of Holies, there were some artifacts from Moses' time. And when the, the, the high priest, only one person could enter the Holies of Holies. But even that person wasn't sure that if he enters the Holies of Holies, that he would come out. And so what they had to do was they had to tie a rope around his waist, let him go, and just like they were fishing, you know, they told him to go. See, because if that dude did anything wrong or did not follow the rituals of cleansing himself, they'd have to fish him out. They'd have to pull him out because he died in there. And that was the holies of holies. But on that day, on that cross, because of the ultimate goal was to get a face-to-face -face relationship with us, in verse, in Matthew verse 27, don't read beyond 27 because you might get a revelation. I mean 51, 27, 51. Do not read beyond 51 because you'll get a revelation that might startle you. But anyway, it says here in verse 50, it says Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up his ghost. You see, he cried again. Nobody took it. He gave it. He gave his ghost. He gave his spirit, his soul. He gave it up. And he says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. And the earthquake and the rock. Don't read beyond that. You guys will get a revelation. You guys will get a revelation, man. I tell you what, but go ahead later on. Read beyond 51 because God want to speak to you guys. But right now, we're going to stop right there. Now, when this happened, when the, when the veil ripped, what that signified was victory for us. Because now, because of that ultimate price that Christ paid, then now we can walk into the holies of holies. We don't need a rope tied around us. We are in there because we are of God. We are of God. Okay? So if we turn to Hebrews 4, wait, I think I missed one. No, I didn't. Okay, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, we're going to go verse 14. Okay? Christ is the way to God. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Okay? That he is God. He is the Son of God. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Okay? So now we have this opportunity to have a face-to-face -face relationship with God. And guess what? 
He desired it before he even thought about it. He desired that face-to-face relationship. You see, in the presence of God, as we have this face-to-face relationship with God, there is no weapon formed against us can prosper. You see, that's why I, when I longed over 20-something years ago, when I longed to have that face-to-face relationship, I constantly talked to God that I want to see you. I want to see you. I want this intimate relationship. I want to have intimacy with you. See, that's the type of relationship I wanted. I wanted something so real because I knew things so fake. You know, back when I, I'm going to say, but things of this world is like plastic. It's not real. It's not real. Nothing in this world is real until you have this face-to-face relationship with God. Then you realize that all the things that was important to you becomes trash, becomes nothing. Because when you get this face-to-face relationship, you realize that all that hatred you had, all that anguish you had, all that depression, everything means nothing when you're in the presence of God. You know, I'm not going there. Even though God keeps telling me to go there, but I'm not going there. Um, you know, you know, you know what this world, in fact, even getting closer, this United States of America, would be good, would be great if we were all blind. Would be great if we were all blind. Because we see too much. And if we run our mouths too much. But God wants a face-to-face relationship with us. So that we can be blind. And we can shut our mouths. And see what Jesus sees. See what God sees in each and every one of us. You know, there's movements in the United States of America that just blows my mind. You know, either we for him or we against him. Either we want a face-to-face relationship or we don't. There is no standing on a fence. We cannot have one on one side, one on the other. His word says that out of the fountain cannot spew salt and fresh water. No ways. Either we are for him. Either we seek in his face or we not. We gotta, it's time to get real. It's time to get real. You know, everybody talk about Jesus coming, Jesus coming. I'm going to tell you something, man. If Jesus is coming, then his word is not true. Because he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So why am I waiting for him when he's already here with me? Why am I waiting? Why am I not desiring that face-to-face relationship? The relationship about intimacy, about closeness. See, because we do not serve a God that is afar off. We serve a God that is here right now. He's here right now. He's listening. He's listening. And he's touching our hearts. And he's tugging on our hearts. And he's saying, I want that. I want that with you. I want that with you. I want that relationship. 
Because I have greater, greater things for you than what you're experiencing today. Greater things than what you're experiencing in your life right now. Because we have a veil over our eyes that is not allowing us to see him. And because we can't see him, we're not doing his work. We're bickering about this and we're bickering about that instead of focusing on him. The one that can change our lives. The one can allow us to love people. You know, there's too many movements that destroy my country. You know, we talk about we serve God, but we want to join these movements instead of joining the spirit of God, moving in the flow of God. In, in Chronicles, you know, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You know, and you know what he said after that? He said, if we turn from our wicked ways. He ain't talking to the world. He's talking to believers. He's talking to us. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. What do you got to get rid of? And that's what he's asking you guys. What do we got to get rid of to get a closer, intimate relationship with him? What is hindering us from moving on to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory? What is holding us back? Are we wrapped up in what the world's doing? Are we changing our lifestyles to comply with what the world wants? You know, we are not of this world. I see stickers on cars all over the place. I could never figure out what NTW was for many years. Until my son, I saw it on my son's car and I said, what the heck is that? Not of this world. Not of this world. But we're in it, but we're not part of it. But then we want to be like it because we get wrapped up in what's going on in the world instead of being the one to stand and say, man, I'm not even involved in that kind of stupidity. Because my life is based upon what God wants and not what the world wants. Because I will never lose and I don't ever want to lose that face-to-face -face relationship with God. But that takes work. That takes desire. That intimacy that God wants with us, with each and every one of us, it's real. It's real and it's obtainable. But you know, there's nothing free in this world, right? Because not even salvation is free. Because somebody paid a really hard price for it. And so this face-to-face -face relationship that I hope we all desire, it comes with a price too. It's not free. It's not free. You know, the biggest obstacle we have in our walk with God, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not our adversary. Because the last time I read... He's a defeated foe. The biggest enemy we fight against is self. Self. You know, sometimes our minds want to define who we are. 
and we succumb to that thought of who we are based on self. But as we get mature in the Lord, we realize that our identity, our image is not based on what we think. It's based on what he says we are. It's based on what he calls us. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us blessed. He calls us more than conquerors. He calls us victorious. See, that's our identity. But we can choose to give it up. We can choose to relinquish our kingship. Because that's who we are. Okay, we joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Okay, so if I'm a joint heir and his word says that he's, on the, he's at the right hand of the Father, I'm just saying now, where are we? Where are we? Who are we? In the, in the book of John, 1 John, I might be wrong because I was wrong just a little while ago. Um, it says, as he is, as Christ is, so are we in this world. As Christ is, so are we in this world. What is Christ? Christ is on the right hand of the Father in all authority. And the word of God says that so are we on this earth. And that's why he prayed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our job. That's why we need a face-to-face -face relationship. So that every place we go, every step we take, we change him. You know, I remember there was a commercial where I think it was gray. And every time somebody walked, flowers grew. You know, and every time I think about that, about changing the atmosphere, that, that, that authority that we have to change the atmosphere, that we can walk and just change. Everything changes. Smith Wigglesworth used to walk in places, and people used to weep and give their lives over to God because he walked and the flowers started growing. The flowers started growing because he brought in the presence of God because he had that face-to-face -face relationship. If you guys don't know about this guy, you ought to read about Smith Wigglesworth. He was a heathen. He was a heathen. His wife was a server of God. And one day he said, man, you go to church today, I'll shut that door on you. And he did. He shut the door. But the next morning, kind of service I want. He shut the door on her. And the next morning they opened the door and she was sleeping at the front door. See, she loved God so much that she was willing to take his abuse because she knew that in her obedience he would start serving God. See, that's that face-to-face -face relationship. How much she loved God. How much do we love God? How much do are we willing to sacrifice for those that we love? You know, the Bible says that the woman needs to submit themselves to their husbands. And most husbands love to hear that. They love to hear that, man, you got to submit to me. But you see, because they stopped reading. Because it goes on to say that you husbands 
serve your wives like I serve the church. You see, my job is to give all that I have, all that relationship that, that I have with God. It needs to pour forth into my family. That's my responsibility. And I've learned that if I don't do that, my family goes astray. People go crazy in my house because it's my responsibility. You know, Adam's responsibility was to inform Eve, hey, get away from that tree. But you see, he failed. He failed, you know. And just like men, I'm not picking on nobody. It's in general, men, men, every, every, every male. See, we have a responsibility, but every time things go wrong in our family, we blame our wives. Because you never listened to me. Because I told you to do this. But you see, we have a greater responsibility than our wife. We set the tone. We set the tone. And so as you seek that face-to-face relationship, you realize your responsibility in God. Your responsibility. We all have a responsibility. We all have that a responsibility. You know, the word of God says that there's different parts of the body, and every part plays a part in this puzzle that we're trying to put together. You know, we're trying to put a puzzle together, and everybody plays a part in it. So if we're not playing our part, the puzzle can't be completed. So I encourage you all, here, tomorrow, later on, today, seek his face. Seek his face because now we have that opportunity. Christ paid the price. You know, going through life, we think that Christ only paid for our sins. There was so much more that he accomplished on that cross. But not only on that cross, in that resurrection. You know, when, 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 when they put Christ in the tomb, you know, he wasn't there the moment they put him in there. He was busy working. He was busy working, doing the will of the Father. See, the word of God says that what we do in secret, he will reward. You see, when Jesus was in the tomb, he was doing things in secret. Everybody thought he was dead, but dude was working. He was working. He was doing this. He was doing that. He was going down, knocking out the devil, our adversary. He was taking the keys back. You see, so seek God. In your secret place. Seek God. And have a face-to-face relationship. And you'll see the change in your life. If you want to come up to get prayed about that, that's fine. You can come up. If you don't want, if you're too shamed, I'm gonna, yes, you'll blame. Okay? But we all have an opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that's the way to go. If you are tired of what's going on in your life, if you're experiencing what you experienced last year and you're experiencing this year, it's kind of insane. You see, what brought me here was I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of going through the same thing year after year. And I went and seek the solution. 
See, the solution is here. The solution is here every day. But what do we do? We got the chicken. We got the soy sauce. We got the sugar. We're going to make teriyaki chicken. But if we leave it in the shelf, in the refrigerator, we're never going to eat it. The ingredients is all there for you. Take the first step. God will take a million steps to you. But he wants you to take the first step. The first step to victory. The first step to abundant life. The first step to everlasting life. Read on after 51. You'll see that everlasting life come to pass. Because he didn't predestine us for mediocrity. He destined us for victorious, abundant, more than conquerors. See, we don't fight. That's what makes us more than conquerors. But that's all I have. I hope you guys enjoyed this time. Seek his face. Seek his face.